Hi, I'm Steve Bartlett, and you're at Fight Back, our weekly show that we do every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, where you hear me rant and rave about all the things that I consider to be unjust and how I want to fight against the injustice in the world. Now, there's a lot of ways that people can fight back. One way you can fight back is going door-to-door -door for causes that you believe in. Another way you can fight back is by posting on Facebook and evil tweeting people. Another way you can fight back is by reading and learning and talking to your friends and family about what you really think is important. There's lots of ways you can fight back. But tonight we have a special guest on the show who's taken the ultimate way of fighting back, and that is he's actually running for political office. Last week we had a candidate for uh, local office um, on the show, but tonight we have someone who's actually running for the United States Congress right here in the 12th District of Florida, which is Pinellas County and Pasco County, and I'm pleased to have here Robert Tager. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's also a little bit of Hillsborough. It's also a little bit of Hillsborough, too. A little bit of Hillsborough. Yeah, they have a really weird drawn map they do. in order to um, gerrymander. To gerrymander. And that's why, when was the last time a Democrat held this district? <sighs> um, well, I think his dad, Bill Arrakis's dad, took it in 82. I don't know if there's ever been a Democrat that's held this district. Well, the Bilirakai, which I guess is the plural of Bilirakis, they've been in power here since I moved to Florida in 1987. Correct. So, you know, I have a problem with the idea that, you know, we're not like the Middle Ages where there was a, a lord and master and then the serfs worked the land and then when the son of the lord grew up, he became the new lord. I think in a democracy, we're supposed to have a changing of the guard. Do you think that's been a problem in this area that we keep having the Bilirakai in charge? Um, yeah. That's why nothing changes. We have the same representatives, things stay the same. But people have to get out, they have to get mobilized, they gotta vote. They gotta demand action from our representatives. People mm -hmm. haven't been doing that. Okay. And we gerrymander so he is safe, and nobody wants to run in a safe red district against a red candidate. So we're stuck with them. And because our country's so gerrymandered, there's no, nobody gets um, rewarded anymore for negotiating with the other side. Correct. Everyone sticks to their own tribe. Mm -hmm. If you're Democrat and you work with Republicans, then somebody runs against you in the safe district. If you're Republican, it's a safe district, then you're going to get flanked by someone more extreme than you, and then you're, because you have no chance of losing other than a primary. Right. But we allow that. Again, we get the government we deserve. We should be electing more people that want to talk to one another. You know, I've been campaigning. I ran against Bill Arrakis in 16. I lost. I'm running again. And the more I talk to different people, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, the more I see how similar we are. Everybody wants the same thing for the most part. The social issues are something different. But you talk to people, you know, what is your biggest concern? It's always health care. 
It's always the cost of prescription drugs. It's always better education, better opportunity, better wages, um, help making ends meet. A problem that I've seen with Democrats in the past, at least in the last election, is that we've been trying to go towards a, a niche market, going for the, I mean, I feel bad for people, but there's not that many um, children who are having problems with their sexual identity going to school. There's not that many people who are, who are trying to um, buy cakes from homophobic bakers. I mean, but the Democrats set, tend to make that the, the, the major issue, as opposed to making ends meet and the, and the stuff that affects everybody. Right. You know, and I notice that your theme of your campaign is... Um, Country before party. Correct. And that I'm fighting for opportunity, equality, and dignity for everyone. I don't like labels. Um, and I have issues. I'm a lifelong Democrat always been, always voted as a Democrat, um, never missed a vote. Um, back in the old days, you could cross party lines because the difference between Democrats and Republicans was very, very slim. Now we're into all these other social issues. But one of the issues I have is that as Democrats, we, we believe we are the big tent party. Everybody comes in. When, but we have all these little rooms where all these little different groups are. Right, you got the blue dogs. You got the blue dogs. You got dog. the pro-life. Right. You, you got, got the Bernie Sanders Democrats. You right. got the mainstream Democrats. Right. You, you have the um, the different caucuses for each of the you know different minorities, and then within them, then you have the women's caucus. And it just never ends. And I, I think that's one of the problems is that if we deal with everybody equally. Okay. And well, I don't I don't care what group you're in. I care about how you are, Robert Tager. Take away being a Democrat or be Republican. What do you actually believe in? Well, you know, since you brought up though the issue about. Um, all these little people that are stuck in, you know, transgender and these others. You know, one of the issues that's very big with Democrats is being against disenfranchisement of voters. That's a very important issue because people need to vote right. in order so we have a, a legitimate government. You know, there's a huge population that nobody ever talks about. And those are the people that are sitting in our county jails. Many of them are not convicted felons. Many of them are registered to vote. Many of them want to vote, but they are not given the ability or the opportunity to vote. Um, my campaign, Don specifically, myself, we've been trying to find out what the problem is. And you talk to the Secretary of Elections, what's well, the Sheriff? Talk to the Sheriff, what's well, the you know, Secretary of Elections? But these and, are the, the, and the people who can't get out, it's not because they committed a more heinous crime, they just can't afford to get out. A lot of people are sitting in on misdemeanor trespass charges, okay. and they're in for nine months. And they're not allowed to vote. And th there's no way for them to vote. So they haven't been found, it hasn't been found that they're not allowed to vote because they're not convicted felons yet, Correct. and yet they can't vote be simply because they're poor. And they're That's right, because if they had money for bail, they'd be out, they'd be able to vote. What about the concept of being presumed innocent? Uh, that doesn't really fall to the state so much. That's stuff that defense lawyers like you and okay. I push. Right, we're in. part of the same club. And we believe in that. We believe right. that people are presumed innocent until the government proves differently. Okay, um, but let's hit some issues. What do you go. think the most important issue facing voters in Pasco County or Pinellas County is right now? Um, I would probably say health care and the cost of prescription drugs. That's a very big one. Okay. Um, you know, I, my solution is simple. Um, I like a Medicare for All program or a Universal or something else. 
but I, I'm also a prag, I'm also very pragmatic. And okay. I recognize when I read the Bernie plan, when I read the Conyers plan, it's going to take a minimum of five to seven years just to get it off the ground. That is without lawsuits. So what do we do now? Right now, I say that we open up Medicare as a Medicare public choice. Allow people like me and you, self-employed people, to buy into it. And how much will that cost? Is it going to cost the average person more or less than what they're paying right now for insurance? Oh, much less. I figured it would probably be about $350 per month, which is still an astronomical amount of money. Okay. But currently, And that's going to come out of the person's paycheck themselves? Correct. So therefore, employers who are paying right now for people's health care, if you choose to have Empl Medicare yourself, that's going to save employers money. Employers can buy into it for their employees, so okay. it saves them money. You know, the overhead for, for Medicare is about 2.5%. The overhead for private insurance is anywhere from, I think, it's 16 to 22%. Because they're, they don't have all the administrators and they're not for profit. Correct. Um, and so what that does is it naturally begins to expand Medicare. One of the issues I have with Medicare for all is this. There are currently about 70 million people on Medicare. We're a nation of 325 million people, plus or minus a few million. You shove all those people into Medicare at once, the system will collapse. There's not enough of doctors. There's not enough of infrastructure. There's not enough of everything. Um, by allowing people to buy into it, what happens is it begins to naturally expand the, inf the, the infrastructure. And as people like it, they tell their friends, come try it. They go into it. Now, Medicare, now Medicare doesn't cover 100%. You still have to make a co-payment. Correct. Correct. Okay. But here's what will happen. The price after a while, as employers start buying in for their healthier employees, the price will naturally drop down. Now, here's the great thing. People who can't afford to buy into Medicare can get the same subsidies as what's on the Affordable Care Act. And the beauty of this is now... The Affordable Care Act gives a subsidy, but that subsidy goes to private insurance companies. Instead, it would go to Medicare, which would further strengthen the Medicare um, trust fund. How is the Medicare for All idea different from the public option that they were trying to push when Obamacare was really originally? The Affordable to pass? Care Act, there was no, uh, they, they never came with a um, public option. Well, they tried to do it, but it got, it got filibustered and they had to kick it in order for it to pass. I don't even think it got to the vote, but I think um, Obama. I could be wrong, but I think he capitulated, just gave it up and to, to make the Republicans happy. I don't even think it was part of the original plan. But what I'm talking about, the Medicare public choice, is exactly what they used to call the Medicare public option. It is the same. Open it up, let people buy into it. So it's not free, it's not charity, it's not welfare, that people buy into it. And you're, and you're cutting out the insurance companies. I mean, right now they're making billions of dollars, and that's money that's not going to the doctors, for, and it's coming out of taxpayers' That's right. Pocketbooks. So, I mean, if it's coming out of your own wallet, it's going to save money by having a Medicare for all type. But see, that's the other thing. I think our tax code needs to change. I, as a small business owner, I pay almost $1,000 um, a month for my health insurance. I should be able to deduct that. Individuals who buy their own health insurance should be allowed to deduct that dollar for dollar. That way, also, I get money. The 10000 I spend a year on health insurance is 10000 I can't spend on housing, on clothing, on food for my children, for anything else. It doesn't go into the economy. If everybody has Medicare for all, though, um, will the doctors be making less money because there's not going to be as much co-payments going to them from the government? The Medicare reimbursement rates are generally higher than what is negotiated between insurance companies and doctors. So doctors make more, many of them make more, on Medicare than they do on private negotiations. Right. What they don't like is the Medicaid. Correct. Medicaid is underfunded. They get very low reimbursement rates. That's why very few doctors take Medicaid. Would you be moving people from Medicaid to Medicare for all? You know, I had thought about that. I like the idea, but Medicaid serves other purposes also. Senior housing, um, impoverishment of seniors, low, very low income wage um, earners. 
single mothers with children. So there's some groups of people that need Medicaid for beyond just what Medicare would offer. But I, I would not have a problem doing that, relieving the state of some of that burden. Would you allow veterans the option to Absolutely. have Medicare for all? I think veterans should have the option to have anything that they want, and it should be paid for right. by the VA. So they don't have to pay the $350 each month for the, for the Medicare for all? Correct. And I also think um, veterans should have dental care and eye care, and I think dental care and eye care should be part of either the Affordable Care Act and Medicare, public option Medicare for all. Now, I'm not, now I'm not saying we should get rid of the Affordable Care Act, <clears throat> because that's what prevents um, exclusions for pre-existing condition. That's what prevents Well, Medicare, med Medicare already doesn't exclude for pre-existing conditions. Correct, but if we do a Medicare for all and we're waiting for that to be, to be passed and implemented, right, then there's still nobody can buy can go into it. So anybody would be buying into the Medicare public option. Uh, but those people who choose to stay in the private insurance market would still need those protections from pre-existing condition exclusions and others. And the thing that people hate the most about insurance companies is, um, which is basically started with the HMOs, is they tell you which doctors you go to. They say, oh, you're not part of the correct plan. You got to go see this doctor. When it's Medicare, you see whoever you want. Correct. Now, some doctors don't take Medicare, though. Would you be for a well, law that requires doctors no, to, not, to take Medicare? Not, not, you know, no. Right now, over 90% of the doctors, the last time I read, except Medicare. Um, here's the problem when you start requiring things from doctors. One of the issues that we have with the Medicare for All plan that's up and, you know, that's been filed as from Bernie Sanders as well as Conyers is that it eliminates all private insurance. It eliminates any pharmaceutical from negotiating anything except through Medicare. It basically just takes the entire Medicare system and folds it into one. That's a hard sell, especially in this country. That's where the Affordable Care Act went bad. Um, I like Medicare for all. I think it's a great idea. I would love to see it implemented. I'm just not sure how quickly it can be because there will be a lot of lawsuits from private physicians saying, you know, you are taking my private practice. One of the conditions is any investors who own medical service providers, that's a, any doctors or investors that own medical facilities has to sell them to the government. Right. That's actually in the Medicare for All bill. Well, how much is it going to be? You're talking about eminent domain of people's businesses. They're going to argue it's a First Amendment issue. You're going to argue unlawful taking. It's going to be tied up in litigation forever. With the Medicare public option, it will grow naturally. And those that want to go in, go in. Those that choose to have private insurance, it will end up like it is in Britain. You'll have private insurance right. for those that... It's like school. If you want to go to private school, pay to go to private school. Correct. But everyone should be entitled as a right to have a free public education. Everyone has a right to have a free public health care. Absolutely. But it's the same with prescription drugs. You know, there was a bill that was almost passed to allow us to import drugs from Canada. Right. We pay the highest price Right, I've for had all to do, pharmaceuticals. I've had to. I've actually had to import drugs from Canada for a relative of mine, and the price was like one fifth of what it costs over here. And, and, and it got killed. One of the people that voted against it was Cory Booker, a progressive Democrat, right. because he's in New Jersey, and that's where a lot of the pharmaceutical companies right. is. Now let's talk about your opponent, Mr. Bill Arakis, okay. our current congressman. What's his position on health care? Uh, he voted over fifty times to kill the Affordable Care Act. And what do you want to replace it with? He just kept promising, we'll replace it, we'll replace it, we'll But he has no plan. It. There was no plan. He just wants to go back to the way it was before there was Obamacare. Correct. Which was terrible. People but couldn't get covered. But his whole life, he's been, you know, before he was a congressman, he was on the state dole as a state representative. So he had health insurance through there. Then he has health insurance through um, the state, the government plan in D.C. So he doesn't know what it is. People who work for the government don't always appreciate 
but we have to pay. Um, one of my opponents, all his whole life he's worked for the government. He's never had to pay out of pocket, so he doesn't know what it costs to really have to pay for health insurance. I heard Gwen Graham the other night speak, and this is not an endorsement of her or any of the other candidates I might mention, but she had a great point. She wants to open up the state healthcare system that the employees buy into and allow the people of the state of Florida to buy into it. That's a fantastic plan. Right. Why not? Let us buy into what our employees are allowed to buy into. And it's not free, it's not a handout, and that's one of the things I love about the Medicare public option that I'm pushing. It adds choice, into a non-competitive marketplace, adds competition, and you're not forcing anybody into it. So the people on the right who hate the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare, they can't have the same objection because we are doing what they want. Well, the thing that always upsets me is that by far the United States is the richest country on the planet. And the fact that we don't have the ability to take care of our sick and the people who need the help the most is really an embarrassment. If other countries that don't have our money have the ability to provide health insurance to their uh, citizens, how come we can't? I don't understand why we have such a high mortality rate. I don't understand why we have such a high rate of poverty, of hunger, why children go to bed every night hungry. I don't understand why kids don't get a free meal for breakfast and lunch. I don't understand how during the middle of the summertime, kids and families have to go to the YMCA or to different drop-off points to pick up a meal because their families work and they can't afford to, to, for food. Well, well I don't, let, let, I don't let me, understand let me, any Let me of change this. the subject right now because we only have a 30-minute show. And if you would like to come on next week and the week after that and the week after that, I'd love to have you on. This sure. is great. But we might want to talk about other issues to watching the show. Should I? Okay. How do, you, <laughs> how do you think you can start increasing wages in this country? Because that's the big issue. People talk about unemployment. But the thing that people are really upset about is if I'm already employed, the employment rate doesn't affect me. I want to know how am I going to make more money next year so I don't have to struggle like I'm doing this year. Do you have an idea how we can do that? I have a lot of ideas. Number one, we've got to start strengthening and supporting the unions again. When the unions were strong, wages were strong. Everybody worked in the union shop, they were paid much more than others. The other right, manufacturing jobs, jobs aren't great because they're inherently great. If they were, people in Vietnam would be making $100,000 a year. Right. The, the reason that people did well with manufacturing jobs unions. is because manufacturing jobs were union jobs. So were nursing jobs, teachers' jobs, firefighters, police. It's always the teachers' unions that get attacked, and the firefighters and the police unions are never affected. We need to strengthen all unions across the board. This right to work, I don't have an issue with right to work laws. You know what? You want to work in a non-union shop? Go find a job in a non-union shop, but don't prevent others from forming a union. We need to strengthen the ability to unionize and to strengthen the ability of the union to negotiate fairly. The teachers' unions are getting, I almost said screwed, are getting cheated left and right because the union has no power. They are not permitted to strike under state law. And I researched that law, and that has never been challenged. Now, not the ability to strike. So you can be basically forced to work? Yes. Against your will? If you strike. Didn't we fight a war about that in the if, 1860s? If you strike, if teachers strike, they lose their retirement plan. They lose their ability to work. They lose their teaching certificate. They could lose, I should say. It's not mandatory, but they could lose these things. Didn't they strike in Oklahoma? They did, but that, that's not Florida. Florida law has a constitutional provision that prevents striking. But So that's number one. Number two, I like the idea of raising the minimum wage, but it has to be done intelligently. I've spoken to a lot of small business owners. Sure. Their issue is, is if you go from what we are now, I think it's 875 to 15 an hour, they're going to get killed. A, they can't afford it. B, the big companies can easily pay all that, and what they'll do is they'll suck all the good employees up. Well, what people don't understand about the minimum wage is you have a corporation like McDonald's, let's say. They pay their people slave 
salaries, make big profits themselves. They could afford to, to uh, pay it, but they choose not to so they can give their, you know, their executives huge bonuses. And then us, the taxpayers, subsidize McDonald's by giving these people welfare checks and food stamps because McDonald's wants to make more profit. And I say, but McDonald's shareholders pay for their employees not the federal government. I think that if a person works 40 hours a week, as Bernie Sanders says, they shouldn't live in poverty. Right. But here's my, here's my twist on it. If they work 40 hours a week and they need public assistance, public assistance should send a bill to the company they work for and say, this is what you have to pay back now. Because the public dole is picking up and giving social welfare to Walmart. Walmart pays their employees low enough for most, a lot of their employees are on public assistance. Mm -hmm. Well, pay a living wage. And, and I've, I've seen statistics because there's this myth that says that, well, if you, if you give people $10 an hour working at McDonald's or $15 an hour, then the hamburgers are going to cost $10 a hamburger. Yeah. Because people think that price is based upon you take your overhead and then you make yourself have some profit. But economics teaches that price is based upon supply and demand. It has nothing to do with your overhead. So even though they will make less profit, the price of a hamburger really won't go up that much if you give the employees a raise. But I don't know if the profit would go would go down. Because when people make more money, yes, it will cost me and you an extra nickel right. for that cheeseburger. Exactly. But the employee makes more money. And when so, the employee has more money, he spends more, which means sales go up. Stimulates so, the economy everywhere. Correct. You know, the number one stimulus for an economy during a recession is unemployment compensation. Correct. Because the people that receive that spend it. We, the people at the low end of the economic spectrum, you, me, regular Joe They don't Schmoes, save the money. They can't. Right. They have to spend it in order to keep a roof over their head and keep their children clothed. Um, the rich are the ones that save their money, which is why the velocity of money is shrinking, because they're hoarding it. It's not coming back into the economy, so the dollar is turning over lesser and lesser. So what you got to do is if you raise the cost of, if you wage, wage, raise wages a little bit, the consumer has more money to purchase those items. Right. This is the same concept. It's funny because it's the exact same concept of what NAFTA was supposed to do. Import jobs and help Mexico raise their minimum wage, raise their economic standard, then they would buy more products from us. It didn't work in Mexico because... You know, the few in Mexico got richer and it's richer. Corrupt. It's a corrupt place. Right. And we didn't get any of the price savings. But if we raise wages a, um, wages a little bit, things will cost a little bit more. Well, statistics have shown. I mean, studies have shown that you're absolutely correct. When wages go up, when, when cities or municipalities or states have raised the minimum wage, salaries have gone up, and the whole economy has been... Seattle. Right. Seattle's doing great. But look at us. We're not raising the minimum wage, and our prices are still going up. We just we're deporting people left and right. We don't have anybody out picking our fields. We got lettuce dying out on the crops. We got food dying, produce dying. I, you know, I always like talking about this. Publix, you know, two bags of lettuce used to be three dollars a year and a half ago. Two bags of lettuce are now six dollars. Now, what has Mr. Bill Arrakis done since he's been congressman Nothing. to try to help Nothing. the middle class? Nothing. Make more money. Nothing. 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 The tax cut. They gave us nothing. Nothing. Okay. He could have put in there a tax provision to allow us to deduct our medical expenses, our co-pays, our out-of-pockets, dollar for dollar. He could have put in there, allow me to deduct my interest on my credit cards. They could have made the deduction on home mortgage permanent instead of every 10 years us having to beg for it or every three years, whatever it is. There is nothing that he has done that has benefited the regular person. And it isn't just Bill Arrakis. It's Democrats, too. 
nobody cares about us. Nobody has been listening to us. Mm -hmm. Nobody has seen us suffer. Well, you and I have the same background. We're both criminal defense attorneys. And people always say, well, how can you represent people who are guilty? And how can you represent people? But the one thing that I like being a defense attorney is I represent the underdog. It's me and just a guy versus the power of the government. Right. And when you have that mentality that you're representing the underdog against the power of the government, against the system, you have a different take on things. You become a champion fighting for the little guy. And we defend the part of the Constitution that nobody does. We defend the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. You know, telling a police officer, fuck off. That's First Amendment speech. You can do that all day long. We not if you're not if you're. Um, don't say it. Okay, but, but we I'm not going to say you it. You know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, fourteenth. We are the defenders. We're the only profession that's actually in the Bill of Rights. That's right. That's right. We protect the you know prosecutors serve an important function. Right. But they are not representatives of the now, people. Now, speaking of prosecutors, um, you know, I used to say I, I said sometime that um, my heroes, growing up as a kid, were defense attorneys, John Adams criminal defense attorney, Abraham Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, defense attorneys. Nixon was a prosecutor. Um, last Atticus Finch. Uh, Atticus Finch, defense attorney. Now, last time when you ran for election, you ran unopposed and you got the Democratic nomination. This time there's another candidate running and he's a federal prosecutor. Was. He was. He, a, he had he to was, resign in order to run. Okay. So are you going to be able to beat him? I certainly hope so. Okay. Well, um, if we were in a court, I probably. Would. If you were in court, well, I'll take a good defense attorney over a good prosecutor any day of the week. Any day of the week. But um, the one thing is, I wanted to ask you the differences between your policies and his policies, and I went to his webpage. Now, your webpage is just full of policy after policy. I've never seen any candidate ever with so much. Too much. Written words. Okay. Too deep. People are going to get tired of reading all your policies. I've been told. But when I went to his page, I wanted to see how he stood. And it was vacuous. There was nothing there. He said things like he was for high-paying jobs. You know, he's for loving puppies. He's for nice weather. American he service. He's for American service. He's 9 for eleven. You know, it was almost as vacuous as saying he wants to make America great again. But I don't know. I mean, maybe he is just doing that strategically. He's afraid to upset uh, the right wing. Part of the of the of the Democratic Party, or he's trying to not be ideological. Well, illogical. I can't say the word right now because I only have like 30 seconds left. He's trying to not talk politics and hope he can get elected without his views actually being expressed. Bill Arrakis does it every single election cycle. Yes, he does. Well, we're, we're basically out of time, to quote some of the judges. Uh, we're out of time. That was a half But I'm hour. really happy that you were here tonight. If you would like to come back again, I'd love to have you on. We could talk about more issues. Anytime. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank my guests tonight. Um, Robert Tager, who's running for congressman, go vote, okay? Please. Do not stay at home. Don't be apathetic. The worst thing you can do when facing injustice is to stay home and not care. Vote Don't now. close your eyes. What you have to do is you have to stand like a grown-up and vote. That's how you fight back. See you next week. Thanks a lot.